Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for a match preview. Newcastle head down to Leicester this Sunday for Game Live on Sky Sports. And John, Newcastle have finally got a win. Yeah, long overdue, wasn't it? And what a relief to us all concerned. Now we're not going to sit back for another 15 games before we win our hope, but uh, go out and try to cash in on those three points because we're still playing catch-up. It was a very hard-fought win, 1-0 against Burnley. They really had to put their all into it. Very much a, a team effort where we saw that spirit rise through. What did you see that Newcastle can build on going into Leicester and in further games in the future? Uh, I was very encouraged by it. Uh, a lot of people put in a good, good shift. Uh, I was pleased to see Joe Linton and John Joe Shelby continue their re-emergence from what they had become under under Steve Bruce. Um, I mean, it was not just the first three points, but it was the first clean sheet, uh, all of which is terrific. Uh, a little... Before I get too carried away, a little concerned about the back now. That was the perfect match for Newcastle. Lascelles loves a battle. If if he's got to fight Wood physically, that's perfect for Lascelles. It was the right... He was the star, etc., etc. That is why he was the star. When people start running off his shoulder, when he's looking to see who's behind him uh, and dropping back and dropping back, when he's got clever forwards which he could well have at Leicester with people like Vardy and Madison and most certainly will have at Liverpool, then it's a different ball game. So we, we haven't solved all the problems at the back by any means. Only January will do that. But I was delighted with the result. I was delighted with the performance. And may I say how much it was helped by the crowd who were absolutely magnificent from kick-off to the final whistle in making certain they dragged Newcastle over the line. Uh, and that was, was good, good. But the tests are going to start again right now. Of course, uh, you mentioned the kind of players Newcastle will be facing against Leicester on Sunday, as long as none of these stars catch COVID, like some of the Leicester squad have, and we'll get onto that later mm. in the show, because seven at the moment are missing for Leicester's UEFA Cup game or Europa League game against Napoli on Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see how many more maybe potentially might be missing for Sunday. But as I say, we'll get on to that. Newcastle-wise, John, it was great to see Callum Wilson get another goal. It was a brilliant finish. You know, you look at it, and when you do look at the replay, you kind of get a, a new sense of just how difficult that chance was to put away. Oh, absolutely no question at, at all about it. I mean, I was sitting next to Supermac at the game, uh, who's a bit tasty himself at, at finishing like that in his days, and his first reaction was... Wow, that was a terrific finish. And within two minutes, Alan Shearer had, uh, had uh, tweeted the same thing. I mean, all right, uh, Pope dropped across and we're very thankful for that. But then Wilson's going away from goal. He's got a swivel. A guy's got back on the line. There's bodies in between him and the goal and he lashes it in the top corner. It fell to the right man. If it had fallen to any other Newcastle forward, it might well not have been a goal. That is what he's very good at. And we need not just him, but other players to step up to the wire against Leicester because defensively, they are almost as bad as us. Uh, they've let in, what, 27 goals? 
outside of three of the bottom four, which include Newcastle, nobody's got a bad defensive record as that. And Newcastle have got to get amongst that and, and try to cash in on that, which is Wilson, which is San Maximum, which is if Joe Willick would like to score his first goal of the season, we would be well pleased about that. We've got a shelvy on set pieces, whether they're corners or free kicks, because they're dodgy, has, has got to deliver well, and we've got a pile where central defenders in on the goalkeeper, because Schmeichel, who has a terrific reputation, well-deserved over the years, now, if he gets a ball put on the top of his head, uh, perhaps because of what's in front of him, is very, very shaky. So, I'm not tra- trying to make it sound easy because it certainly isn't easy because they've got forward players who can punish you big time. But if you look at the three to come, which is Liverpool, Man City and Man United, this is the best chance that we'll have out of the Christmas running. You mentioned there Leicester's defence mm. and they've conceded 10 goals from set pieces, which is the joint worst in the league. I think it's only Crystal Palace who conceded the same amount from mm. set-pieces. And we've seen Newcastle, John, this season score a few goals from set-pieces. Lascelles got one against Brentford. We saw the Callum Wilson goal. It came from a corner. Centre-backs he, often, our centre-backs can't get goals on set-pieces with headers. Um, it's important, without it all going gung-ho, it's important. That, and this team f- with Eddie Howe is set up to be a front-foot team rather than a, a a defensive team. Uh, so we've got to have a little pop at them. And if we won 3-2, wouldn't that be marvellous and wouldn't we not care about the two? Um, but yes, to get a result, we've got to try to exploit their weakness at the back because it gets in your mind. It's got in the Newcastle United mind. We've seen the way the backs played, how they've sacrificed uh, goals, how people like um, Kieran Clark got sent off because he panicked because he thought here's another goal going in, only nine minutes gone. So it gets into players' minds and it's certainly in the Leicester mind. They don't necessarily lose when they let in the huge goals, sometimes it's a draw, but they've let in what uh, I think about eight of the last 11 games, they've let in two or more goals. And they did it against Villa last time out. So we've got to try to take advantage of that. They're not quite the team that won the league in 2016 and won the FA Cup last year. Um, They're the fairy tale side that we all want to be. Because outside of the top six, everybody wants to be a Leicester. You can win the league, you can win the FA Cup, you can win the Community Shield in Wembley, you can finish fifth successive seasons. They've proved what you can smash the mould of the top sides. But this season, they're giving you a chance and we must take advantage of that chance because it's a better chance than Liverpool away than Man City at home and Man United at home. It's certainly going to be interesting because obviously against Norwich and against Burnley, you had two sides who don't have confidence. You know They're not that good going forward. They're vulnerable at the back. But as you referenced, John, Leicester going forward have some excellent players. Oh, and yes. Yes, you know, we might see a few of them maybe miss out because of illness. And, you know, uh, from a Leicester point of view at the moment, the the seven who are missing either through COVID-19 or illness, there's not really the big hitters. No. You know, Lookman and There's only Lookman and Perez that are anywhere near first team and they didn't start uh, 
Perez didn't start against Villa. Um, so they're not weak. We haven't got Vardy out. We haven't got Madison out at this stage. We haven't got Evans out. We haven't got Schmeichel out, etc., um, etc. Et so the starting eleven at the moment, I would think, would be very strong. The bench might be weaker. Um, yes, situations can change, but uh, at this given moment, and we want the game to be on and we want to have a go at them because this could be the time to get them. 100%. And they, like we mentioned earlier, they do play in Natalie on Thursday evening in the Europa League. So from a Newcastle perspective, we're hoping that they'll probably uh, have, a, have a tough game there. They'll get a bit tired and those players who are available for Sunday will be a bit knackered. Newcastle can take advantage. The point I was going to make was that against Norwich and against Burnley, you had two teams who aren't that effective going forward. But you feel if the likes of Vardy or Iniacho get a chance, Tielemans gets a chance in front of goal, they're going to test Newcastle. They're going to move the ball around a lot quicker. They're going to move with a bit more purpose than Burnley on Abs- Argent. It's going to be a really interesting test. Absolutely. I mean, I, I touched on that, Andrew, when we were talking about Lascelles. Lascelles had a Gray's Monument in front of him with Wood. He knew exactly what Wood was going to be. Physical, tried to run him, elbows, etc., there's going to be no surprises. That suits Lascelles. There's going to be plenty of surprises with, with Vardy if he plays because he goes down, he goes wide. He, he, he would drag the centre-half out towards the wing and Lascelles doesn't like going wide in the posts and he would be dragged out there by Vardy who's very quick, get away. This, the ultimate test of people that do that is the, the two games they follow, which is Liverpool and Man City with their forwards just run all over you. I mean, it is horrendous. Um, but they've got clever attacking players and it will be more difficult for defence, which can get pulled around. I've liked the look of Manquillo and Lewis, I think, have actually stepped up to the plate. Um, uh, and as I said, Joe Linton and um, Shelby have especially stepped up to the plate. I'm waiting for... Two more to step up to the plate. I think we need Joe Willock to step up. We we never expect he got about eight goals in fourteen appearances last season as on loan. In this almost the same number of appearances, he's had thirteen this time. He had fourteen last season. He hasn't scored. Uh, it would be nice just to get him back onto something like his old form. And Almiron. <sighs> 13, I mean... I was mightily impressed against Burnley. I, I know this split opinion, but I thought he was absolutely superb against Burnley. He's always superb until you actually look at what is the end product. Um, and I'm not having a go at him, but harsh facts are harsh facts. He's had 13 games this season. He hasn't scored and he hasn't got an assist. So and also is give the ball away more than anyone else, something like ninety-seven times. Uh, now, I think he's such a willing boy, he's such an honest boy, he's such a quick boy that you can easily fall in love with him and love him to death. But equally, he can be a headless chicken. And we're now at the stage when you look at Willock and say, what is his end product? Football is all about end product. What is Willock's end product? Last season was terrific. This season he needs a goal. But he's only 22. He's learning in a very difficult environment because Newcastle this season is a difficult environment. This fella, Almiron, is 28 in February. 
But there is an argument, isn't that he was never really played in his proper position. And against well, Burnley, we saw what I felt for one of the very rare times, him actually shooting on goal. And he had two or three good chances. There was a couple of really good saves. Did he score anything? No, but um, let's be honest, that Pope save, fingertip save, was absolutely... That was a That's why Pope's supposed to be there. That's why he plays <laughs> for England. Yeah, but I think, I think you know, Miggy gets it a bit of harsh... Harsh criticism sometimes. Yes, you want more goals in this game. He gets a bit of love game. as well. I think he splits fans hugely, doesn't he? But, but you can look around that Newcastle squad and you can say, well, St. Maxman needs more goals to his game. Joe what? Willick, Shell, the, you know, there's a lot of players that need to add goals to the game. What I love about Miggy is that when your back's against He's the wall... He's got eight in 90-odd, you know, yeah, in the league more, He does more, John. He does more. I know, no I know, assists this season. I know, I know, but so what does he do? But I, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell good, you, good. right? Because we had this a couple of seasons ago when Danny Mills laid into him, and I went back and I did some analysis. And if you, you watched the goals that were scored by Newcastle United, but you only watched the the, the 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 assist or the pass before, you had to rewind it, and there you saw Miggy carrying the ball from his own box. He always seemed to start the move, and that gets missed when you watch a match of the day because. They only have time to show the, the assist, that killer pass. But there was a few, few, quite a few goals where Miggy started the move. And without that, Newcastle wouldn't have scored. And that's what he does. He carries the ball forward. He doesn't do the things that grab the headlines. But when your back's against the wall, you want someone with that energy who can carry the ball 30-odd yards and then start, you know, start a pass, just get you out of that danger. And I think Miggy does that really well. For me, he starts against Leicester. I think, yeah, I think he did enough to uh, earn his place. What, playing in uh, wide up front sort of thing instead of Fraser or Yeah, it'd be, it'd be inside in, in, in there instead of Fraser. Just I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. I'm, I can see all his attributes. I'm grateful for his attributes. He's a willing boy. He will always put in a shift. And there's a lot of players that can shirk. I'm not talking about Newcastle. I'm generalising in football. Uh, so for that, I'm eternally grateful. But if and when Newcastle get to the side that is mid-table and looking upwards under the new ownership, I've got a feeling that the best he'll have is a bench if he has that. Um, because a great side, he would never have gotten the entertainers. He would never have gotten Bobby Robson. And mind you, we're not making this anti-Almerian boy. There's not many that's there now that would get in those sides, if any. Uh, Callum Wilson, maybe, etc., etc. But there's not many would get in those sides. But um, yeah, um, it does do an awful lot of work. It it's all about standards, Andrew. He is. He can be very vital to this current Newcastle team. He wouldn't be very vital. Perez, his last season, finished second top goalscorer to Rondon, just a goal behind him or whatever, and got transferred for. 30 million or whatever it was to Leicester. Can't get in the Leicester team regularly. When standards rise, then some players slightly fall by the way. But as you say, how many current players would, would, would go get to the no next level is the issue. And that's the exciting thing we've all got to look forward to with these new owners. Obviously, if Newcastle managed to beat the drop. Would you keep Lascelles in the side? Well, I mean, he will stay in the side because Captain. he's skipper and he was brought straight back. And, and to be truthful, um, you know, when I look at him, and I, you would keep him in because he played well last game. The only reason I've got a worry about him is because of what I've said. He likes to battle a big centre-forward in a physical battle. Tricky guys like Vardy and like the three that's coming up at, um, 
at Liverpool, and like any of the forwards Man City might put off, that that interchange and at pace and have instant control is difficult. But then who would you replace him with? Yeah, Lascelles will stay in the side and on his last game thoroughly deserves to do that. And imagine Shaw would partner him just because Fernandez, as good as he is when you're playing against speedy players, you mm. can't really have two players at the back that lack pace. I mean, Lascelles has got more pace than Fernandez and Eddie Howe referenced that. Yeah. But you're still playing essentially two defenders where you could do with a bit of pace. Yeah, I'm, I sure think Cher will, I'm sure Shaw will stay. And I can't really see many... Changes, to be fair, John. Well, no, when you've got your first win, you're not going to sort of rip the side up and start again. It is, can we see any changes, really? Mm, not at all. Um, you know, there's suggestion that Fraser could come back because he, he had an injury, evidently, for the Burnley. I don't think he'll come back to start. I think he'll come back to be on the bench. And Good then, impact player to have off the bench. I yeah, guess. I don't think there's anybody out of that last side that will be automatically dropped for this game. Not at all, and I can understand that. Um, and if we win 1-0 there and it's Almir and it scores, there'll be nobody more delighted than me, <laughs> apart from you, but no, there won't be. <laughs> I mean, just how much will training... I mean, they, always, they seem to have this great spirit anyway, but I imagine training this week would have gone to another level. You know, the, the atmosphere, the good atmosphere, which has seemed to have been there since Eddie Howe has come in, is probably again being ramped up even more after that win. Yeah, that, that one of the reassuring things, apart from winning and apart from not letting in a goal, is that the spirit remains within the camp. And I think it's possibly been saved and heightened by the change of manager and the positivity that Eddie Howe's brought into the, the squad, both in terms of the way will play the enthusiasm and tactics which are decisive whether right or wrong is up to everybody to decide and have an opinion upon but they're decisive and players like decisive managers so at least you know exactly where you are and I think that's been a very big plus for us uh, we've still got a lot of work to do over the whole season absolutely no question because just because we beat Burnley um, but this is the sort of game I'm looking for something to happen because, I mean, certainly the next two, Liverpool, Man City, they would beat any side in the country and possibly any side in Europe if they put out the full team. I mean, that's how good they are. So we know it's not just Newcastle that would be up against it there. The celebrations after the win against Burnley, I was in level seven. It was an absolute party atmosphere, celebrated like Newcastle had won a cup. It has drawn some criticism from other sets of fans, what did you make of it? Well, it would, it would, because first of all, Newcastle, to them, aren't a likeable club now just because we're rich. Um, and secondly, nobody thinks it's our turn to have success with this sort of wonderful support we have, but it, but it is. And thirdly, I couldn't care monkeys what the rest of the country think about us. We've got every right to do whatever we want to do, and we'll celebrate. Yes, tongue-in-cheek, I was smiling because I was just, I stayed in the press box at the end of the game and saw the... You know, I'm I'm smiling. I'm loving it, but I'm smiling because it was like a lap of honour, which they don't call it that now because it's embarrassing. They call it a lap of appreciation about the, 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 the players and the management appreciating the crowd. 
But yeah, I mean, you would think we'd won the, the first cup for, uh, or the FA Cup or the championship. And not too many people, well, nobody remembers the championship. It was 2017. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, it, it looked like that. But that was great. And it was understandable. And if it is going to cr increase the bond between the crowd and the players and management, I'm all for that. Because that is one of the major weapons we've got between now and the end of the season. It did give you a lovely insight into just what would happen if Newcastle did actually oh. win a cup. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so many of the fans have never experienced that because, you know, you've got to go back to 69 for us to win anything outside of a corner. Um, so, you know, it is different. And the Sports Direct signs are down as well? That is magnificent. I'm all for that. Uh, I've never known uh, so much joy to be brought uh, when there's not been a match played and when there hasn't been a signing made as there has been this week with Newcastle fans seeing the signs down. Someone made a reference or they tweeted me saying you were on, you were on a window cleaning duty last, last week or the week before. You were on skip duty this week because I was up there looking for the signs. And it's, you know, it is bizarre, but the reaction's just been unbelievable. And again, it does look a bit a bit strange to those outside the club. I spoke with Damien Spellman of the, the PA in the earlier podcast this week, and he kind of said, well, yeah, but it's kind of the, la the, la the last vestiges of the Mike Ashley era coming it's down. It's 14, 15 years of hurt, and those signs coming down is the absolute last tie in with that regime gone. And... Newcastle fans have suffered for those years. They've had two relegations. They've had numerous narrow escapes and relegations. One fifth top, which was, with hindsight, a fluke. And the next season, with exactly the same squad, they went back to about 16th as in their usual position. Uh, you're bound to get delight. It's something being over at long last. Um, so, yeah. You know, what happened at the end of the game with Burnley, what happened with the signs this week, all totally understandable. If the rest of the country don't understand, let them just keep their nose out of it. It's now to do with them. <laughs> We're going to finish then, John, as usual, with how the game against Leicester will go. Yeah, interesting one, isn't it? Um, uh, well... We've got a chance. There's a, because of their defensive record, because the fact that they've had to go to Naples and have a long... Naples are going to make it difficult. They're going to know they've been in a game for an hour and a half. They've just played Aston Villa and lost. They've got Naples, and then they're coming home to us. Um, it's a real genuine chance. To be truthful, I cannot see us getting anything at... Liverpool and against Man City the next two simply because it's not a lack of faith in Newcastle it's they would steamroll everybody so we've got to get something out of this it's no good getting beat at Leicester because then reality sinks back in uh, so I would look to get at them on set pieces uh, to get at their defence which is quite amazing when you think, you know, of Casper Schmeichel, who's so highly rated as a goalkeeper and often looks so like his dad, and Johnny Evans, who everybody says, why on earth did Manchester United let Johnny Evans go? And a lot of big clubs would have liked to sign Johnny Evans. It, it, it's quite amazing with Schmeichel and goal and Evans in front of him, the, the defence is as shaky as it is. Mm. Because a lot of 
Newcastle fans or other club would take either of those. Oh, 100%. And it's interesting as well, Newcastle have results go their way. Obviously, if they beat Leicester and Brentford thump Watford, they could be out of the relegation zone. That would depend on Burnley not winning. So Newcastle are 19th, 10 points alongside Norwich and Burnley. Isn't that <laughs> it looks like a much healthier picture than it did uh, yeah, pre- yeah, previously. Yeah. Um, they've got a goal difference of minus 13. Watford are 17th with a goal difference of minus 9. So they need to concede a few. And Newcastle obviously need to win and score a few. And like I say, Burnley not win. But there is a chance that Newcastle could be out of the relegation zone come Sunday evening. And mentally, that would be huge. I mean, Watford for me is probably the biggest hope long term. Not talking about just what, because you come out against Leicester, you may go back in after playing Liverpool and Man City. But that doesn't mean you'll not get out long term. It's come May that we need to be out out of it and then we're permanently out of it. And I think Watford are one of the teams to to catch and I really do. Um because they've got a wacky manager as well. I know he won the title with Leicester but he's but he's wacky and uh, affection I I've Got a lot of affection from him, but I wouldn't want him to be manager in Newcastle United. <laughs> yeah, the start he's had there has certainly been interesting. I'm going to go for a draw. I think Newcastle will pick up a point and it, it could prove to be a crucial one. But yeah, a draw this Sunday against Yeah, Leicester. I want to remind you as well, Andrew, that I said they would beat Burnley last week. And not only did I say that, but I said it would be 1-0. Uh, so we're not, we we're not doing scores this season, John. We're not doing scores. I'm just giving you a couple of facts, mate, <laughs> as you've been hitting me with facts. Uh, but yes, um, I mean, my feeling's going to be a draw. I want them to win. They must not lose. And you can with the forwards they've got. But we must not lose. I would love to say we can win. Uh, and we can win with their defence. But will we win? I mean, I would. we're not doing scores, but I would probably go 1-1 one, one if we were doing scores. But I, 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 would, I would agree with you that I think it's more likely to be a draw. Wouldn't it be wonderful to beat them with what is to come. What a Philip that would be. Uh, please don't lose Newcastle. That's the main thing. Please do not lose this one. Let the feel-good factor bubble along again. Yeah, fingers crossed they get the win. Our score prediction, predictions are both wrong. Head over to conicalad.co.uk where we'll keep you date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press conference and any updates as well from Brennan Rogers on the players he is missing for Sunday. And please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Totally free to do. Just means every time we upload a new episode, you'll get a notification saying it's ready for you to download and to listen to and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>